1: Turn up, up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast, the sick podcast. with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston four, Montreal three. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air back to Lafleur. LeFleur! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a spot! Sports entertainment, like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une place devant. Et c'est un bonus! Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. So, salve pour les Canadiens. Le Troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs!
2: He found the dogs! Wow, man, oh man. Okay, let's jump right into it. The SICK Podcast. I'm Matt and the Hebrew Hammer, all that jazz. It's great. Uh, the SICK Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a f- leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different and Brought to you by La BitA TV beer, brewed in Quebec, and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit embrace your true nature. Okay, the reason why I'm so frantic right now is because madness is going on. Like I, I just tweeted before the sport, uh before the show, a minute before we went live, which is sports are sportsing right now. We have the NFL draft, we have the NBA playoffs going on. And of course, the NHL playoffs going on. We have an overtime game in between the Carolina Hurricanes and the uh, New York Islanders, which I don't know if it's over because I'm watching the Bruins and the Panthers. And just when I flipped from the overtime to the Bruins and the Panthers, the Bruins scored a shorthanded goal. Drake Jake DeBrusk gave the Bruins a 5-4 lead. And then it must have been 20, 30 seconds after, Matthew Kachuk ties the game. Okay, so I got word from Sammy in the studio that, uh, that Carolina won. So that series is over. Carolina is the first team to move on to the second round. But this Bruins game is just absolute insanity. What is going on right now? Uh, I can't believe it. I have th- uh, four friends at the game. Uh, what a game they picked to go to. So uh, welcome to the sick podcast where everything happens at the same time. That's the beauty of live podcasting. All right. Um, let's welcome in our guest. He's here to talk uh, a little bit of NHL playoffs, some Habs, of course. And he is from the Montreal Gazette, regular Friday contributor, Mr. Stu Cowan. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm actually waiting to come on here. I could hear my wife scream upstairs, so I figured somebody scored. So she's watching the Boston-Florida game.
2: (laughs) Well, that's it. You know, it's it's crazy this time of year. Uh, It's really one of the few times of years we get. Where kind of everything is happening all at once and nobody knows what to do with their TV clicker. You know, like I, I feel like we should band together and get Sam, uh, Samian and Yellow to like hook us up with like five screens in our offices. Because well, I don't have a screen here, I,
0: <laughs> I don't have a screen here where I am, but I mean, the first round of the NHL playoffs are always the best rounds.
2: There's, yeah, always 100%. there's always a top
0: seed that gets knocked off. I mean, look at the Bruins. I mean, if they don't win tonight, there's a chance they get out knocked off in the first round. Yeah, First round of the playoffs is amazing. You've got so many games going on. Players aren't as banged up as they are by the end. The weather's not so nice outside that you sort of, I don't want to stay inside and watch a hockey game type <laughs> of thing. But, uh, yeah, for this is a great time of the year, as you said, with the NBA and NFL draft and base, everything going on. But the NHL playoffs, the first round of the NHL playoffs is my favorite round of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. And it's crazy. You know, like at the beginning of the playoffs, I put out, I always do this. I always put out a tweet saying spoiler alert for the first Mm -hmm. round. And I tweet out my predictions. And like, I was right about Vegas. I mean, everything else so far, it's kind of wishy-washy right now, you know?
0: The Bruins should win. I mean, the Bruins should win the Stanley Cup. They're so much better. But I remember a couple of years ago when Tampa had that dominating season and they got swept in the first round by Columbus. I wrote a column a little while ago. And I think it was 86, 87, if I'm not mistaken, was the first year the president's trophy was given out to the regular season champions. And since then, it's only eight times the team that won the regular season has won the Stanley Cup, and it hasn't happened in 10 years. So it's not that that makes it not so shocking if the Bruins would go out in the first round. It's just, you know, the, the parity in the NHL and, you know, a hot goalie can change things. A cold goalie can change things. Certain teams don't handle the, the pressure as well as others. Toronto Maple Leaf fans know all about that. And, uh, yeah, so it's interesting.
2: Well, Well, that's the thing. So here's the thing about the Bruins is that, you know, in my prediction, you know, it's kind of like, you know, every year, like you said, a top seed is going to get knocked out. It happens, you know, almost mm-hmm. if not every year. Yeah. And, you know, in my predictions, I put Bruins in five. I didn't give the Panthers a sniff. And, you know, after the first uh, the first few games, I'm like, oh, OK, the Bruins, they got this in the bag. Uh, not so much. It's it's kind of interesting the way this series has played out, because, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects. But man, oh, man, is there just not enough good things to say about Matthew Kachuk?
0: Oh, what a hockey player. I mean, what a hockey player. And, you know, what a steal that trade. Huberto hasn't done well in Calgary. Uh, didn't seem to fit in well with uh, Sutter as a coach. But Matthew Kachuk, I mean, and the other brother could be playing in Montreal. <laughs> we all know that, too. Yeah, But those Kachuk brothers are, are something else. Matthew Kachuk, like, what a hockey player that guy is. I mean, he's he's the guy who does everything, right? He does everything. He can hit. He can score. He can be physical. He can fight if he has to fight. He does the easy, uh, really. And he seems to drag his teammates along with him, too. He brings his teammates into the fight. And his brother does the same thing in Ottawa. And, you know, for Canadians fans, you mentioned Kachuk. You know, if you imagine having a first line of Suzuki, Caulfield, and Kachuk with the Canadians right now, that would be one hell of a line.
2: Are, oh, okay, my face just changed because I looked <laughs> up at my screen. Uh, the Panthers just scored. It's now 6-5. Oh. to five. <laughs> <laughs> This is just absolute insane. The place is going bonkers. There you go. There um, you this go. is I mean, just my, insanity yeah. what's going on.
0: I mean, I would never have picked Boston to lose in the first round, but... I'm not shocked right. that they will. This is that column. Me. I mean, you know, I picked uh, Tampa to beat the Leafs in seven, and after game one, I tweeted, "I don't think it's going to take that long the way the Leafs look." Mm-hmm. But the Leafs have come back. But I'm going to stick with Tampa in seven because if the Leafs lose again uh, in game six and ten, there's no way they're going to win going back home, the pressure on them is going to be so much that, uh, that they, if they don't win tonight in Tampa, that, that's it's going to be uh, Tampa in seven, like I predicted.
2: Well, you know what? I I also predicted Tampa in seven and. I didn't stray from that even when it was three to one. I mean, we all know the three one yeah. jokes, and uh, you know they go beyond uh, the can- the Canadians round against them. But it, to me, the, the I was explaining this to a friend who is like convinced that this is the year that it's the Leafs. The year but they were convinced last excited. year too. <laughs> well, that's the thing two. is that you know, you know, like this eventually g- they blew three one against the Habs. You're not going to blow three two against Tampa,
0: and then they did, and then they were up against reals. It's it's just it's, that, it's, it's it's hard to explain.
2: So that's the thing with the Leafs is that I'm at a point now where I, I compared it to uh, the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL, whereas, you know, the past few years, it's always the preseason predictions. It's always before this year. It was always Baltimore is uh, a Super Bowl favorite. You know, they're going to this is their year. They're going to make it back. Lamar Jackson's going to get over the hump. And I'm like. No, I've bought into this too many times. You got to mm-hmm. show me. Now at this mm-hmm. point, it's it's on you to show me. And I feel like a lot of people were just saying that like, okay, it's it, Toronto's year for sure. Like, But they're just writing off a team that has been to the Stanley Cup final for three years in a row and has won it twice out of those three times.
0: And a team that knows what it takes to win in the playoffs and a team that doesn't. I mean, I think if the Leafs win this series, I think that could go on a long run. I think just getting oh, yeah. yeah. over that hump of winning that one series. But you got to get over that. That you know, the, the Lightning's best players play their best when the pressure's on, which is why they win so many series. The Leafs' best players don't play well when the pressure's on. And you know they made a lot of change. I think they have 10 different guys in the lineup now than what they had last season. But it's still their main players. are still their main players. And you know, O'Reilly's come in and done what they brought him in to do bring some grit and some character but uh the other guys got to get on board and it's just it's a team I look at the Leafs you know I'm not around them like I'm around the Canadians but they yeah. they they strike me they're like a team of individuals and it works in the regular season they score a bunch of goals and they outscore teams but then when it gets to the playoffs and it gets gritty and you know you got a Corey Perry hacking and whacking at you for seven games and you got Headman hitting you and you know Headman's playing through an injury the Leafs are trying to take advantage of that but you just, in the playoffs, it's it's willing to pay the price. It's as big as anything. You know, I go back to 93. You know, I remember when the kids won the last Stanley Cup, and when it was over, Kirk Muller looked like he was about 140 pounds. He looked like he had lost. Mm. 50 pounds or they just there was he was a skin and bone there was nothing left of him and it was the same the last that, that same year 93 and the least one on that playoff run with doug gilmore like he was spent he looked like a guy just they're, they're beat up they're banged up and that's the price it takes to to win in the playoffs and the least at this point just don't look like they're either willing to pay the price or they know how to pay the price
1: mm.
2: Yeah, I I, so I'll I'll be I missed the last game where Tampa won and then pushed it to game six. But, you know, I I caught a bit of game uh, game five and, you know, there's one player on the Leafs, you know, for all the flack that they that they all take in the playoffs and deservedly so uh, one player really gained my respect and it was Morgan Riley. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy—he uh, had a sh- two shiners going on. You know, he's still putting his body on the line for blocking every shot. But, you know, just what a pa- uh, just feeding the puck to his teammates on a tee for them to score. I think he had four assists in that game or something like that. You know, he he kind of was the man in charge of the comeback uh, when Tampa was up three nothing, and then mm-hmm. the Leafs won in overtime. So he's one player where I'm like, all right, this guy—he's uh, got—he's got a bit of a dog in him. And he didn't, have a great
0: real, he didn't have a great regular season. He's picked it up mm. uh, in this playoff series. And there's, they need more guys to do that. I mean, the, as I said, if they lose in Tampa in game six, the pressure coming back to Toronto, they seem to will – I mean, I think it's, it's 10 or 11. I've read some stories 10 and some stories 11. It's 11. Have, in fact, 11 it's straight 11. games yeah. they've had a chance to win a series they've lost. Oh, and 11. Like, that's remarkable. That's incredible. 11 so, games where they had a chance to win the series in a row and they've lost. It's It's – uh, I mean, that's – that that says something about the character of the team, and you know Dubes knew that. That's why I went and made all those changes at the trade deadline to get guys like O'Reilly and try and add some more grit uh, to get through that. But again, you know your top guys, Matthews and Marner and those guys, they're still Nealander. Those are your top guys, and those are the guys that make the big money. That got to, they've got to do more. They've got to bring more. They've got to be, and that's not just putting points on the board. That's just being physical and, and paying a price and you know i think of stamkos when he grabbed matthews in that game and sort of shoving him around like he was a ragdoll yeah. and you know matthews is a big guy he's a lot bigger than stamkos it's like it's the playoffs are a different game man it's uh, uh joel edmondson was telling me this year near the end of the season i was talking to him and i was asking you know, what lessons these young guys might have learned and he says well the one lesson they haven't was is they have gone to the playoffs and he's like, yeah. I keep telling these rookies like The playoffs, NHL playoffs, are like the NHL. You said it's like the NHL on steroids. That it's not even the same sport. It's a different game, and it really is. And some teams like the Lightning. People, you know, were saying at the end of the season, all the Lightning struggled down the stretch. They're done. They're old. They're burnt out. Maybe they're just resting. They already knew they were in the playoffs. They knew they were going to play the Leafs. They know the physical toll it's going to take. So why are you going to kill yourself in the last five, six games of the regular season? Rest your body. You know, maybe that don't make the big hit you might during the playoffs. Make sure you're ready. And then that first game against the Leafs, they jumped all over them. The Leafs didn't know what had hit them. <clears throat> with Hedman, I mean, look at Hedman. So, you know, last night going to the bench, he's obviously got some kind of a back or rib or whatever yeah. issue. And the Leafs, but he's back out there and he's playing, he, he, he's paying the price. And it goes back, like I was saying with Kirk Muller, the other Habs one, the, he could barely walk at the end of the series. It's, 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 there's, to me, the most physical grind in sports is the NHL playoffs. These guys do this. You watch the speed, the pace. The hitting in these games and they do this every second night for two months if you go all the way it's crazy i mean it's it's a crazy test of stamina and endurance and toughness and willing to play through injuries and all that kind of stuff it's it's, it's i still think it's the toughest trophy to win in sports
2: i do agree with you one team that is very far away at least for the moment of doing that is the montreal Canadiens. so let's jump into it um you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot was being made of I think it was last night or two nights ago that the uh, I, I actually made a mistake off the top of the podcast saying that the Hurricanes were the first team in the second round. It's actually the, it's the goal tonight, yeah, Vegas Golden so. Um, So uh, they beat the Winnipeg Jets and obviously instant connection to Pierre-Luc Dubois. And just I mean, I, there was one thing that, you know, we've talked about this before. And you, you've you said to me, you know, like, oh, I'm not too sure because, like, you know, the way he – when he requested a trade out of Columbus, he didn't look like he was – he cared all that much. And then, you know, Rick Bonus last night kind of uh, just laces into his entire team. Um, well, yeah. Go the, ahead. The, yeah, the, go ahead.
0: The, the Jets were like, were we were just talking about the Leafs? I mean, he just ripped him. He said their best players wanted him more than us. Their best players competed harder. There was no pushback from us. They I saw a highlight of one of the goals where Dubois' guy was wide open. He just sort of watched them score a goal. And that we talked about that, I think last time I was on with you about the, he did that in Columbus. And it seems <clears throat> from what I've read, I'm not around the jets, but when I read for people do cover him, he's and watch the team. It looks like he, he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg. I mean, I personally can't blame him yeah. for that. I don't know who does want to be in Winnipeg? But uh uh, my apologies to everybody from Winnipeg who might be watching, but, <laughs> but um, yeah. So you wonder that that character thing. A bonus was really upset. Um, you no, know, I saw. I can't remember who it was. I saw wrote today saying like, "How it'd be hard for him to come back and coach this team after the way he ripped them." Unless there's a lot of player changes. He was, but it, it was the same with you know, the regular season. He wasn't getting that compete, and they barely got into the playoffs. So there's an issue with that team that I think is very similar to the issue with the Leafs. Is that they're just they don't have that. You know, that pushback, that that willing to get it out and and do what it takes to win in the playoffs. And, I mean, uh, there's got to be changes in Winnipeg over the offseason. But if you're the Canadians, how much are you going to give up for Pierre-Luc Dubois when he sort of has that reputation? And why would you give up anything when he can be an unrestricted free agent most likely after next season? And then you can get him for giving up nothing if you really want him that much. But there's some red flags. We've talked about this before. There's some red flags with him indeed. Um, as far as the effort level and as far as what happens if he plays in Montreal two years and doesn't like the pressure and isn't comfortable with it, is he going to shut it down here too? Yeah, so who knows?
2: Mm. Yeah, so just uh we're going to close the book on the uh, Panthers because they just scored uh, again on an empty net. So it's wow. seven to five. 28 seconds left so there will be a game seven so that's going to be uh very very exciting um so let let's but let's talk let's talk a little bit more about that because it's so interesting because you know they're like most things uh since the uh pk Subban trade uh in montreal before you know the mark Bergman single-handedly tore apart the uh the fan base here there was people are so separated on this you know there are people that it seems like on twitter would would die to have Pierre-Luc Dubois on the Canadians but then there are other people and you know if I had to pick a side I would pick the other side of like no I don't want that you know and and I know and I know from talking from you you would lean in the same way but are are we crazy or I don't know because he's a good player he's a great he's a great yeah you
0: know when he's on I mean, I saw something today on Twitter about uh, talk about uh, Kirby Doc for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, I saw that awesome. too. I, I wouldn't do that. I mean, Kirby Doc is younger and uh, the the leap, the, the big progress he made already this season under Marty St-Louis. Uh, he seems happy in Montreal. He likes playing for Marty St-Louis. Uh, I'd be hesitant. And you wonder again, though. I mean, there is that with the Canadians, there is that focus on having French-Canadian players. Jonathan Drouin is on his way out. Um you no, know, is from selling ticket standpoint, is that factor in that they want to bring somebody mm-hmm. else in? who might be the next French Canadian star. Um, you know, if his name wasn't Pierre Luc Dubois, would there be as much interest in him in the city? Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a he's a talented player. There's no doubt about that. I remember the year he was drafted; the Canadians were interested in him there in the draft year. Uh, and I think he went third, if I'm not mistaken, or really on the tough but Yeah, yeah, he went. To yeah, yeah, he went yeah,
2: he went fourth, I believe. I yeah, it's
0: before the Canadians had a chance to get him. I know they were interested. I remember writing stories about how they were interested in him back then. Uh, he's a really good player, but I, I you know, that's, that's as I mentioned last time that that last shift in Columbus, and and you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I defend Brendan Gallagher all the time is that people can mm. criticize and say he's overpaid, and with a new contract, he probably is. But I mean, Brendan Gallagher's never taken a shift off in his life, never mind a game off. Uh, whether the team's is doing a practice, whether the team's winning two nothing or losing six nothing, um, and and that's those are the guys, those are the character guys you win with in the playoffs. And the Lightning have a lot of those guys, the Alex Calorans and the guys like that. There's just the uh, uh, they show up and they play hard and they play really hard when
2: the playoffs start. Mm, yeah, and, and you know it's just it, it's. It's always like a. It's. I don't want to call it a shame, but like it's. It, it is kind of when you see a guy like that. He's got the frame. He's got all the tools you could ever want, but like the one thing that's missing is was the hot button uh, subject of you know when Mark Bergevin... You know the biggest buzzword of Mark uh tenure here, which is character.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: you know th- that it's when it comes down to it, it it shows that it is quite important. Is it? A, and it's just yeah i i just can't get behind him especially just reading i mean the way he's getting dragged through the dragged through his name's getting dragged through the mud right now and i guess it's because everyone kind of is expecting slash knows he's gonna leave at some point mm-hmm. um but i i don't know it's just this is one uh rumor especially like you said you throw out the name kirby doc in there i just cannot get behind um and the thing right. is, the Canadians, even with this rebuild, I mean, it depends what happens in the draft lottery. I
0: think we've spoken about this before. You know, if they win the yeah. draft lottery, that'll speed up the process. But they're not ready to, you know, Kent Hughes said it as post mortem news conference, you know, they're not ruling out the playoffs next year. Like, they're not going into next season saying, you know, we don't have a team to make the playoffs. They didn't, they knew that this season, going into the season, yeah. they weren't going to make the playoffs. They never came out and said it, but they knew that wasn't, that wasn't even, they weren't looking at that. Next season, if they have a chance to get into the playoffs, they'll push hard to get in. But, you know, they're still two or three years away from being a, what they want to be, a team that's going to contend to be in the playoffs and be a Stanley Cup contender every year. And, you know, do you want to give up a younger player like Doc or an older player like, you know, at this time? Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. That, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah, it just seems like it's it, like you said, it's not the right, uh, it's not the right time. Um, another and, and player, in fact, who, also the fact you would have to give up something to get Dubois now, whereas as, well, that's I prefer you know? free agent;
0: you can get him just for money.
2: Exactly, because you know I I'm so sure should be no rush, tag, and because and I'm sure even you know, even if he straight up says, uh, you know, I'm I'm I don't want to be here anymore, yeah. like. Jake DeBrusque requested a trade. He just scored a goal yeah. tonight for for the Bruins, and he requested a trade, you know, however yeah. many. So they might roll the dice at that point and, you know, try to get him signed in that one year that they'll, that they'll have left. So, yeah, I mean, Dumas, uh, I mean, it seems
0: like he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg, and, you know, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, does Winnipeg trade him? Will a team want to take him for one year? A team mm-hmm. that thinks that he can get help get them over the hump? And, you know, it's it's been pretty well known that he wants to play in Montreal. His agent said that uh yeah. you let him play somewhere else for a year and then if you want him you get that next summer he's an unrestricted free agent and you just make him an offer and you get him without having to give up Kirby Doc or anybody else
2: well that's it and and that's the type of move that Kent Hughes would make because he's just he knows the value of assets as someone who was an agent
0: and, uh, and he's so not in a rush he doesn't have to be in a rush like what's the rush they get Pierre lives you are right now like they don't need a yeah just, ex- exactly just, there's no, there's no rush. You don't need him next year. Between two years from now, if you think he's going to help you, get him two years from now. It's without giving up any assets. So, I, like I said, I'd really be surprised when I saw that today. I was like, that that would be. Boy, I wouldn't do
3: that. Mm,
2: yeah. Uh, again, we're we're in agreement. Uh, one guy who I mean, I guess they they should be in a little bit more of a rush considering his situation would be Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Uh, You know, any whispers, do we know anything or is it just like radio silence status quo? There's nothing out there. What's going on? There's nothing out
0: there. I know he's spending the summer in Montreal. I heard there was a Mm. report the other day that him and Nick Suzuki are probably joining Royal Montreal Golf Club. So I was going to spend the summer here. I know Suzuki told me when I spoke with at the end of the season that he was going to spend the summer here. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to get done. Um, It's just a case of, of like I'd be shocked. I can't, they're not going to let him go to restricted.
2: No, of course. Have that chance of another
0: offer sheet coming. Um, So again, I mean, with he doesn't have to be in an urgent rush to do it. I think Cole Caulfield really wants to play in Montreal. He wants to stay here. He wants to play with Nick Suzuki. The Canadians want him here. It's just a case of figuring out, no, it's going to be, to me it's going to be somewhere around seven million dollars i don't think they're going to give him more than what suzuki's getting you look at comparable contracts for guys who were drafted the same year as caulfield and have had similar type of success mm-hmm. but you got to remember too Caulfield hasn't played a whole season he got hurt this year uh, he's a small guy he might get hurt again uh can't have to factor that in and the cool coffee needs to factor that in also you know it's it's guaranteed money in the nhl it's not like the nfl you know you sign a eight-year contract for seven million dollars you're going to get every penny of that even if you're hurt um yeah so I, I think it'll get done i don't think it's a big concern that it won't get done it's uh uh can't use i believe is at the under 18 championships and then he'll be back and i imagine as well have some more time to sit down and uh, i'm sure both sides know what they want there's maybe a little bit more of a divide than maybe both sides would want because I, I thought they would announce the contract mm. when they cleared out their lockers that day it would have been great timing for it, you know, going into the off season, he's under contract. Uh, but I, I, I think we'll get it in the next few weeks. We'll get an announcement that he's been signed.
2: Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's, it is an odd one and that uh it hasn't been signed yet. I guess the good thing is, is that like, there's no real, pressure with it from the outside coming in on the organization like you don't hear people talking about it too too much it's not you know stealing the headlines not that there's you know with the team the way it played the way they played you know there's not much to 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 go off until you know the draft lottery happens yeah so i i feel like that's a good thing that it's not really dominating headlines right now. And even, you know, the NHL just put out a video of uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole yeah. Caulfield explaining overtime to each other. So, you know, you have to yeah. think that... It, yeah, it's, it's not like
0: when P.K. when PK Subban signed his big contract over eight years, $72 million, I think it was. Like, that was... Mark Berger didn't want to give him that contract. Mm. No, Mark Berger didn't want P.K. Subban with the Canadians. I mean, we've, we right. knew that after we found that out when we traded him. And Jeff Molson stepped in and said, sign him. You know, yeah, just you got to sign them. But uh, then they traded them before there's no trade contract uh, clause kicked in. It's not that's not the case here. It's not like uh, Ken Hughes doesn't want to sign Cole Caulfield. Or it's uh, they, like said, <laughs> both both sides want to get it done. And uh, uh, you know, you were talking earlier about the Ravens quarterback, and you know, all the talk with that contract. Oh, it's dragged on. Well,
2: there you go. That's on another it. one. And then when they signed
0: it, the GM just said, "Well, it's business. It was business. It was nothing personal. And it's just." He wants, you know, it's negotiations. That's when we asked Caulfield about it. Uh, you know, he said his agents take care of it. That's the smartest thing you can do. When you look what happened with Andre Markov, who negotiated by himself with Mark Bergevin. you had two alpha males in the room, and it didn't turn out too well. And Markov's feelings were hurt, and Bergevin's uh, ego uh, got the best of him uh, again. And uh, it didn't work out. So at least <clears throat> smart thing with Caulfield, let your agent deal with it. And, uh, you know, don't make it personal. And uh, it shouldn't be. That was one of Mark Bergeron's biggest downfalls. His yeah. contract negotiations always became personal. And uh, it didn't work out. I think this is, like, similar to the Ravens quarterback. It's just it's business. And the Canadians are looking after their best interests. And they want to take care of Cole Caulfield. Also, and Cole Caulfield's agent is looking after the, the kid's best interest. But at some point, they'll get it figured out.
2: Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm not worried about that uh, at all. It was also very funny to see uh, Nick Suzuki teach Cole Caulfield how to make pasta. They put another video out. Yeah, yeah. That was also very funny. Um, And, you know, I like it. I I really hope more stuff like that comes out because it's very rare. Like, even, even, you know, they're not showing much in the video, but, like, it's nice to see them, like, not just doing the generic hockey thing. You know, Well, Chantal McAbee
0: deserves a lot of credit for that. Because when she came in, she told the players, be yourselves. Like, show your mm-hmm. personality. You know, Cole Coffey was a funny kid. He's got a great sense of humor. You see the videos in the rooms of him dancing around and joking around. I the video with Paul Byron's kid when he was on the ice for the uh, skills competition. And Coffey was joking around with him. And Coffee was sort of shocked when Chantal told him that. Because for so many years, the Canadians players just said, don't say anything. Don't, you know. Yeah answering cliches don't give the media anything to go on and the thing in this day and age you know sports are entertainment and, and people in montreal love the canadians they love this mm. team and they want to know more about these guys they want to know like what they're like off the ice, what they like to do it should be fun you know? it's smart from the canadians standpoint it's smart promotion of their team to the show yeah, Nick says they cool coffee are having fun together there are a couple of young kids are living their dream, they're making a lot of money. Uh, They should be having fun, even though they didn't make the playoffs, but uh, they weren't expected to. Um, And they're having a good time. And it's good for the Canadians to finally realize that fans want to know. Chantal had a great line when I talked to her about it. She says, she wants fans to fall in love with the Canadians players the way she fell in love with Guy Lafleur. I know she remembered as a little girl waiting outside the forum to get his autograph and following everything he did and interested in everything he did. And that's what she wants Canadians fans to fall in love with the players now the same way she did with Lafleur. And that's a great way to do it, you know, showing guys in these environments uh, what they do when they're off the ice, how they have fun together, stuff. You say cooking pasta, something as silly as that
2: well it's it's just it's so easy right because it's it's even like i even get a kick out of like at the bell center when they they run that promotion uh in between whistles uh in like in the commercial breaks where you know you have they're playing higher or lower with grocery items yeah you know yeah. I, I get a kick out of that all the time like, i think that's amazing you i laugh know, I at you, real, you
0: realize which players have never been in a grocery store <laughs> you know, well that's it you know a bag like of spaghetti a, of 12 dollars
2: <laughs> yeah my favorite is always like because it's 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 no name brand right it's like the store yeah. brand generic it's a really smart marketing campaign it's a brilliant marketing campaign exactly and it's like a bag of chips uh you know a, a mini yeah. like halloween sized bag of yeah. chips oh that's got to be like 4.99 at least and then it's like yeah. it's 99 cents yes yeah. yeah. i love yeah. that stuff i think yeah i don't funny.
0: think a lot of a lot of not a lot of NHL players are out doing groceries. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> either their wife's doing it or they have somebody who does it for them. Or uh... no, Plus, these guys these guys eat most of their meals. Most of their meals are prepared by the team. I mean, the team, right. they took to another step when they've hired chefs now. So, like, those guys show up uh, the day of a game. They have breakfast at the practice rink. They leave the practice rink with a, a, a lunch to bring home. They show up at the game. They have a meal after the game. They're fed all the day. They, they, could, they could have an empty fridge at home and eat very well.
2: Exactly. Like they're, they're not, uh, they they don't have to worry about the price of, uh, inflation in grocery stores. Uh, so, uh, I mean, hey, that's why uh, that's why we're on Saturday, we're on Friday nights because we get paid the big bucks to do it, uh, and when we, we get to pay for those uh, expensive groceries. Uh, Stu, thank you, thank you so much for joining us on the Friday night uh, edition of the Sick Podcast, as you usually do. And I'm sure the next time we speak, we will have a lot more uh, draft related talk to uh, to be had because that uh, that draft lottery yeah, draft is coming up, right? May May eighth. Yeah, May eighth. So uh, very, very soon. Very, very soon. I'm very excited for that, and as I'm sure a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans are. So, Stu, thank you very much. All right, have a great weekend. You as well. All right. So, like we said uh, off the top of the show, sports are sportsing. There's crazy things going on. You know, we have the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs. We have got the MLB going on. Uh, we got the NFL draft going on we also got the WWE draft going on but that's you know I know how some of you feel about that anyways uh it's been a while since we've spoken football on this show but you know I was all about the draft uh since the Bengals got eliminated from the playoffs by the Chiefs so I said to Samian and Yellow uh I actually said to them on Monday before the draft even you know the first round of the draft even happened I said get me someone to recap the first round of the draft And they said, sure, because you're the best and we will do anything that you say uh, except give you a raise. And that's fine. So they delivered and we have a draft analyst. To come on with us, his name is John Vogel. He is the director of scouting at Dreammakers Football at NFL. He also works at NFL Draft Lounge, Raiders Rumble, and Daily Stat Jocks. Did I miss anything, John? How are you?
3: Sounds great. Across the board. We're gonna, we're loaded up, and uh, you know, next time I think I go to the bar, I'm just going to hire you as well. Do you need a side hustle? You can just be my hype guy. I'll just walk in there. You got the perfect introduction. You got it all straight. So.
2: Uh, perfect i could use another uh side gig because uh sammy Yellow. i mean listen i've been I've been, banging the dr- I've been i've been banging the drum for a long time you know i've been banging the drum for a long time uh all right john uh, let's jump right into it because i know we're on a bit of an a, on a time crunch but i we really appreciate you joining us uh tonight uh this is like a real treat for me so what was what was for you the biggest story of the first round
3: uh I mean there's there's a couple that kind of fall into that into that range right but I think number 1 was right off the bat uh the Houston Texans taking CJ Stroud number 2 and then trading back up to the third spot and taking the best pass rusher in this class Will Anderson Jr. You know so mm-hmm. when you can get a franchise quarterback a guy that you're going to build your franchise around uh, and an edge rusher that's going to be a premier guy that's going to get after the quarterback on the other side of the ball. And you get two of the top three picks, and you don't really spend all that much capital doing so. Oh, and you did this as well, you know, because you traded your star quarterback away. You know, uh, that's perfect for you, right, mm-hmm. in terms of building, especially the brand-new face. You know, uh, D'Amico Ryan's the head coach there now. He's kind of bringing in that San Francisco style, that defense, that offense as well uh, Stroud can run that very well. Anderson fits that defense. Well, I mean, it's just overall, I think that was the biggest storyline of the night was just the fact that the the Texans were able to get the second and third overall picks and get two keystone players. They're going to build around that franchise for the next, probably the next decade.
2: Yeah, I, I was, uh, that was one that when they said trade announced, I was like, Whoa, what's going on over here? Uh, that was crazy. So, um, to me, another, another. I mean, of course, another massive story was uh, Will Levis falling out of the first round. I found that very interesting, but you kind of knew after a certain point. You know, there's only so many teams that need a quarterback. Um, so after Tennessee went and and picked uh, Broderick Jones, I was kind of like, hmm, I don't think we're going to see Will Levis tonight unless uh, the Saints make a splash, but. You know, is that was that like playing on the minds of of the of other teams that were in need of quarterbacks? Yeah, because well, because the and the reason I say is kind of because like, you know, it's, there was reports that the Steelers were taking took as many as four calls of their first pick of the second round. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And the, there were a lot of people that were calling up and ultimately the Titans moved up here tonight and they picked them with the second pick of the second round. Um, But the thing with Levis was, you know, I think there was some interest at the end of the first round. The problem was you had the Eagles picking at 30 and Nolan Smith fell to 30 somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't, I still yeah. don't know how that happened. And that was kind of a, the Eagles are like, well, <laughs> no, we can't pass on this. Right. <laughs> no, this is a great, I know, you know, we talked about, you know, uh Smith potentially comparing, if you wanted to talk about a comp for him being Hassan Reddick, who just had mm-hmm. 16 sacks last year with the Eagles. Right. Uh So to have two of those same types of players on your team gives you all kinds of versatility. You, they can go multiple fronts. They can do all kinds of different stuff. It's going to be fun to see what Philadelphia comes up with. And then you got the Chiefs picking. And at that point, the Chiefs are just like, nah, we're just going to go with our pick, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a little bit of interest at the back end of the first round. But the real issue, I think, with Levis was he just came across as really cocky all year. And I got the opportunity to meet him at the Music City Bowl uh, this past year when they played Iowa. Yeah. Um, and I spoke with him there. And one of the, my first questions for him was, are you going to go do the senior bowl? And he said, well, we're kind of asking around with teams and seeing if it's something they really think that I need to go do. And that's the problem with the mentality of Levis, right? Is mm-hmm. just that, well, do I really need to go do it? No, you had a terrible year in 2022. Go to the senior bowl, go down there. Don't You don't have to play, just interview. And he didn't do it. And so I think the... The, the thing that scared NFL teams with Levis is you got a guy that's potentially going to be the leader of your franchise that's trying to get away with skirting by with the bare minimum. And I think that's why he fell out, out of the first round. Ultimately, uh, that's what hurt him.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, it's good to know that, you know, that is the reason and not because, you know, he puts Mayo in his coffee or, <laughs> or he eats, eats bananas, bananas with the peel. <laughs> just uh I, it's funny i texted sammy and yellow and juliana when uh when they picked levis i go that's a great pick you know i'm happy for you guys You got your quarterback and then they go i and then they're, i'm like they're trying." yeah i go tough i go listen they're like how do you they're, i'm like they're like how do you like it?" i go yes i think it's a good pick um however what i don't like is him putting mayo in his coffee and then juliana responds by going or eating banana peels or bananas with the peel. I go, yeah, it's kind of a tough look for your quarterback. I mean – Now it's also funny <laughs> about
3: Will is we had this uh, – we did this college fantasy football league this year uh, industry, Thor Nystrom's industry. I did that, and I was in the SEC division, and Levis announced the picking order. Um, mm. And the thing that he said was that uh, if we didn't pick him in the first round, he was going to find out. And and he was going to have his vengeance. And uh, I, unfortunately, had the 10th overall pick and had to sucker up taking him. And it ultimately cost me my fantasy season, which, you know, uh, was mm.
2: yeah, I mean, groundbreaking. mean the way it goes. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, he'll
3: bring that same level of vengeance to the NFL now that he's been skipped out of the first round.
2: Yeah. So let, let's uh... – Let's take a a look at the entirety of the draft, because to me, this is one of those drafts that, yeah, okay, we knew quarterbacks were going to go at the top. But other than that, it felt like this thing was wide open. I mean – I was surprised by a lot of picks. You know, I was surprised that Christian Gonzalez went all the way to down to the Patriots. I was surprised that the uh, Dallas Cowboys didn't take Michael Mayer. I was surprised that the Bengals didn't take my, my own Bengals didn't take Michael Mayer. Uh, you know, it just felt like things were happening out of whack. Jameer Gibbs going 12th overall. Like, who? what the hell is going on there? Um, yeah, is this like one of those drafts that you've seen in a while that are just like, I don't it's not even worth, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen at this point
3: yeah no that's exactly how that first round ended up going I think everything got thrown out of whack when um when Seattle decided to take Devin Witherspoon at five that's when everything went crazy uh because that was everybody knew that Devin Witherspoon was going six to the Lions and so I think that that was just a little hey we're going to mess up the draft order and we're going to do something crazy here and take this guy and mess them up and it messed everybody up because the boards cut was constantly shifting all night you know, you had Arizona mm-hmm. trade down out of three, then trade back up to six after going to 12. You had, uh, you know, so then Detroit sitting there at six, they dropped to 12. Patriots dropped back. You just had trades all left and right throughout the entire night, especially when we got down, you know, into the, the mid part of that round. But, um, you know, I think ultimately it, there were a lot of good fits. There were a lot of, you know, people were able to make the boat the best out of it. And there wasn't mm-hmm. any real picks where I was sitting there going, oh, I don't understand it. You know, even like Jameer Gibbs going 12, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people that are jumping up. Why didn't you take a quarterback? Why didn't you take a, a defensive end or an offensive tackle? Well, they have their quarterback.
2: You yeah. Know.
3: And it's Jared Goff. He played really well last year. Um, you, you have two bookend tackles, so you don't need one of those. And you just drafted Aiden Hutchinson last year. So if you have an opportunity to add a, a running back that runs, what it was a four, three forty, right. Mm-hmm. Um, who can also play wide receiver. I mean, talk about the versatility you can do with that scheme. And, uh, you know, when I saw that, I thought, well, they're going to go tight end here in round two immediately. And sure enough, 34 overall, bam, tight end comes off the board. And that's because they're going to yep. go heavy twelve. You know, one tight end, uh, one running back, two tight ends. And then all they got David Montgomery they signed this offseason. So now they can go two running backs, two tight ends. They're going to mix up their personnel packages, and they're going to be really difficult to defend. Because they're going to throw so much at you all year.
2: Yeah, and the interesting piece that falls in there is uh, what happens to DeAndre Swift. I mean, it seems like mm-hmm. you know everyone's talking that he's going to be traded tomorrow. Um, you know, for a late round pick, that's due to his durability. Um, I don't know. I mean, like you, you, we've seen crazier things than you know a team saying, "No, we're not going to trade this guy." We've we've seen.
3: It reminds me a lot of, and I hate to bring up this name too, after what he did, but Zach Stacy a few years ago in the draft mm-hmm. was one of these guys where his team drafted a running back and he freaked out, wanted the trade, so they gave him the trade, and it ultimately ruined his career. You know, mm-hmm. I mean Zach Stacy sitting in jail now. So, but that's beside the point. Um, the thing is with, uh, with 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 Swift is you got to as a coaching staff, as a you know front office, you need to sit down with him, you need to have that conversation. Hey, here's the plans. Here's how we want to use you and see if you can't alleviate all of that, you know, issue, the, the, the stress, the, the problems that he's having with the organization decisions they made. Because I think ultimately right now he's thinking he's not going to play. Um, I don't think that's the plan at all. I think the plan is to have a lot of usage with their running backs yeah. and having different packages with them. Um, so if they sit down, they kind of go over the plan with them and say, Hey, here's what we're thinking, blah, blah, blah. I probably would have done it before the draft if I was playing, but I don't think that they were planning on taking Gibbs that, that early. Sure. Right. You know, where it would have been a problem. They were kind of forced into it when Bijan came off at eight. Um, I think that that's what you, you sit down and you try to see if you can't get them to buy back in. And with Dan Campbell and this staff, they've done a great job with, with working with these players, making good decisions, getting them all to buy in. I'm telling you it's going to be the Eagles and it's going to be the Lions next year. Those are going to be the top two teams. They're going to be fighting for the NFC as crazy as that sounds. They are I going know. To well, be a powerhouse.
2: It's just insane because you know, like I have my, my, one of my best friends is an Eagles fan and you know, he's uh he was banging the drum of Jalen Carter falling to him. And when, when Seattle, like you said, when Seattle picked Witherspoon, I'm like, Ooh, uh, this might actually happen. And then they jumped the bears, uh, to in in the order and i'm like uh I, and i'm just like i was busting his balls i'm going ah they're gonna draft a tackle or something like that and sure enough they drafted him and then like i'm watching the end of the draft because you know I, you know in for a penny in for a pound when i'm watching all the way to pick 28 for the bengals um i was like ah, oh, watch the end of the first round and he had already left and i go i look over at my friend i go no freaking chance are they going to draft Nolan Smith right now. Like, this is just insanity. Like, what is happening right now? Like, they lose, they, they lose, uh, Javon Hargrave in the, in free agency. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're just going to take the two, uh, two of the best, uh, edge, like linemen in the draft and one at nine, one at 30. Like,
3: it's, like yeah, you know, Hallie it's crazy Rosen, when man. you think about it, too. Who'd they draft in the first round last year? Jordan Davis. Oh, man. Oh, who did they get it. in the third round last year? n'kobi dean yeah it's it's that's why there's been all the jokes floating around all day it is the it's the philadelphia bulldogs
2: well you know (laughs) it's yeah it is but you know just to take a look at that blueprint i really thought that all like for example like the the there was two things that the Bengals, in my opinion, were missing on defense. They're missing a corner, which they drafted in the second round. But after they took, uh, after they took miles Murphy in the second round, I'm kind of like, I want them to go all in on this, like get after the quarterback. You got to get cheaper on the line. Anyways, like let's get after the quarterback and like, lo and behold, it's, you know, if not the end of round three, cause I haven't been able to follow too closely, um, you know, it's near the end of round three, and then you got you got the guy. I, I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, Atotomi Miwa Adabaiwar uh, from Northwestern. Like this guy is was supposed to, you know, in some mocks going in the first round. Now he's just sitting there in the th- end of the third. You know, like yeah. I'm like. I'm like banging the drum. I'm trying to find out if they traded the pick. Like what the hell's going on? Like, draft this guy right now. They okay, they're up in two, they're up at two more picks. So like yeah. I'm yeah, just like on right the now. edge yeah. of my seat right now.
3: Yeah, and, and and Tommy out of Barway, uh, absolute phenomenal freak. I mean, we talked about him at the combine running, you know, uh the the 40-yard dash at 280 pounds and four four-nine seconds. Just mm-hmm crazy crazy freakish (laughs) and then oh let's just also talk about the fact that yeah okay maybe he's got the size issue at six one but he's got the wingspan of a guy that's like six 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 seven yeah okay so he he, we're talking crazy length it pops off on tape now i think the reason why he's fallen i thought he was going to go first i was hearing there was a lot of stuff but obviously he slipped Mm -hmm. um i the reason that i thought that he'd go earlier uh but the well the reason I got to cut that back. Sorry. The reason that he's not go- gone yet is it's his plan. His plan. So, when you're a defensive lineman, you have to go into a rep and you're attacking an offensive lineman. You have a plan that you've put together. And so, I talked to Tommy at the Senior Bowl. And, uh, you know, that's what I asked him about was, hey, so when you go into that rep, what does that plan look like? He said, oh, it's to win. I said, that's great. I said, how are you going to win? He goes, by any means necessary. I love the enthusiasm. I'm like, but man, you yeah. got to plan. You got to you got to know exactly what his weakness is. You got to set him up. You're playing chess, not checkers. You're not trying to bull rush this guy. So the NFL, you can't do that. You can't get away with that. And so I started telling him, "Hey, here's the you got to find those players that you can find that that relate to your game and and see how they attack tackles. How do they hand fight? How do they do all that? Where do they go?" I said cuz you you got the speed, and you got the strength. And this is before the combines, this is before we knew. Them. Yeah. The legit speed. I'm like, but you got the speed. You have the power where you can go speed to power, speed to power, speed to power. You can keep pushing that tackle to the outside, make him start to worry that you're going to beat him around the edge. As soon as he oversets, you come back in with your counter, inside swipe, bam, you're in. You're in the lap Mm -hmm. of the quarterback. You know, I said, that's how you play chess. And so, you know, then I run into him at the combine and he tells me about the players that he's been studying to get ready to start look at how they attack people and plans and all that. But that's why he's still sitting on the board right now is because he just hasn't developed that yet. And that's going to take time.
2: Yeah. So, and that's interesting, right? Because like you hear of like, you hear of different players that they of like players drafting and uh, the Steelers just drafted Darnell Washington. So the Steelers are having (laughs) quite a very good draft. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. They're, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're they're just they're quietly having like a I'm really it pains me to say I like the Steelers draft but as like a Bengals fan draft. that would
3: pain you yeah
2: yeah Yeah, especially you know a 6 foot 7 guy who's like pushing a sled a football sled the way I push a shovel in the snow. Yeah, it scares me a little bit.
3: Um and and the crazy thing about him too Darnell specifically is that's a guy that's you know he's a tight end too. He wasn't even the number 1 guy in yeah. Georgia. The number one guy is coming out next year. He wasn't eligible, you know, so that's crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs, they got something in the water in that uh, at that program because they are just uh, I mean, it's happens all the time. You know, they're like the new Alabama. And before that, whoever was before Alabama, you know, uh, well, that's happens all the time. That's like the that thing. I think
3: they're shipping the Kool-Aid, man, because they're recruiting at a level that we've never seen before. They're just, yeah, they're shipping it now. You know, like it's, it's you're not you don't have to go to Georgia to drink it. They're shipping it to you,
2: exactly. And then they're like, and then the players that are getting it are saying, "I want some more of that." Let's go to <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> so, just just quickly before I let you go, just one last question: uh, Other than quarterbacks, um, you know, that have gone in the first round, who who's a player to you first, second, or third round that is, you know, gonna they're gonna have. Not necessarily the most standout career, but a very, very successful career that oh, not yeah, many people are talking about. It's
3: definitely Tajay Spears who just went to the Titans. Mm-hmm. I mean, that running back out of Tulane, he's insane. His, his, his ability to just feel the play. He's maybe not the greatest inside the tackles runner, but when you get him to space, his ability to uh, catch the ball out of the backfield, his pass protection ability is ridiculous, especially at his size. He's not a big guy. He's like 5'9", 204. Um, but this guy is insane with what he, just his change of direction ability, uh, the moves that he has in his arsenal, he's the more that you watch him, the more that you see, you know, Mm. typically when you watch a guy, you, you get a really good feel for him in three, four games. I was watching eight, nine, 10 games, and I'm still seeing stuff I hadn't seen yet, you know? And that's the thing with Tajay is he went down the senior bowl. He killed it there, uh, put on some really great highlight tape. But the one thing we were sitting there, I was sitting there with, uh, shoot. I can't think of his name right now. He works for sports illustrated. And, um, we were talking, Bo, I was talking, sitting there with Bo. And, uh, we're talking about, you know, this guy and that guy. And I see Tajay lined up for in a pass rush rep against Aubrey Miller. And I'm like, Bo, I was like, I started nudging. I'm like, watch this. Cause Aubrey Miller is a six 240 pound linebacker. He is a big dude. Okay. He's coming out of Jackson state. He'll probably be drafted tomorrow. And, uh, he comes in, you know, free rush project, you know, cause it's a pass rush rep and Tajay comes up and knocks him straight over on his ass. I huh. mean, bam, just straight up. And Bo starts freaking out. Ah, I can't believe that that just happened. I'm <laughs> like, dude, it's on tape. Go look at it. So, you know, with the, the, the Titans kind of getting to that point where Derrick Henry is almost, yeah. you know, the, the tank is limited, the, the treads limited with Derrick Henry. This is a guy that, you know, he's not going to be Derrick Henry, but he's a guy that's going to really benefit from that you know, especially if Derrick Henry isn't
2: healthy this year. Well, And it's always a benefit, right, to have another guy in the fold just lighten the load off of Derrick Henry a little bit. Uh, John, thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, this will, I promise you, this will not be the last time we speak football because I really enjoyed this chat. So uh, thank you very much and enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. All right. That was John Vogel breaking down uh, mostly what happened in the first round, but we talked a little bit second round, third round. Uh, The Bengals are up to pick right now. I'm literally freaking out. Uh, I'm going to stay on the air until they make the pick. Um, But yeah, I mean, listen, uh, there's a lot going on right now in sports and we got it all covered on the sick family. We got so many, we are growing, growing network. We are getting so many different cities. So if you're a fan of an NFL team, uh, you know, just go ahead, look up sick podcast blank. And we probably, chances are, have it because our our network is just growing, growing, growing. And it's all thanks to you guys, the sick army, the OG sick army here in Montreal. Uh, So if you haven't already, and this is your first time listening, please, if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a like on uh, Facebook. Give us a like on Twitter. Give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, you know, just hit us any anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, five-star rating. Always, always very much appreciated. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We also appreciate that. So thank you very much for joining us. The Bengals are about to make the pick. I know 99.99% of you, I, I'm going to say don't care. And that's the fact. Uh, yeah, you don't care. I won't sugarcoat it. Um... I, I listen, my TV is on mute. This is just uh, unbearable to sit through right now, I'm sure, for all of you watching. Uh, but thank you so much for... Uh, for for, uh, being with us on this Friday night, as you usually are. Uh, I won't be back next week. Uh, Tony doesn't know that yet. I actually won't be on the Friday edition for the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's because I'm going to be out of town. I was out of town last week and the next three weeks I got bachelor parties coming out the wazoo. Um, which is part of the reason why I need a raise Sammy and yellow. So, uh, we're not going to stay on until the Bengals make their pick. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time.
1: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature.